Welcome to the Primate Talk podcast. Here we have nuanced interactions with interesting folks undertaking unconventional endeavors and see the world through eyes that are not just our own. Hey everyone. Today we have a very special guest here on Primate Talk, Manas Gubbi. He is my childhood friend and he's very passionate towards policy making, policy implementation. He has a very strong academic background in economics and sociology. Currently, he's working as a postgraduate at the Indian School of Public Policy, ISPP. He is the editor-in-chief of the ISPP Policy Review. He has been awarded the Ashok Kamte Award for Academic Excellence and Leadership. He has also been awarded the best parliamentarian award in my parliament, which is the national level youth parliament organized at Delhi. He has also worked with the Niti Aayog for various different activities uh, as a research group member. He has also worked with very uh, many local authorities like the Bombay Municipal Corporation for COVID relief. So the list just goes on and on minus. And I mean, when I look at these credentials, I cannot help but wonder that, you know, you are involved in so many things. But apart from this, you are also a mountaineer. You are also into skiing. You have been a gymnast for as long as I remember. Right. So uh, let me ask you this, that how does being involved in so many different areas, does it somehow broaden your horizons when you, you know, talk to different people or somehow does it help in your work being involved in so many different things? I say this, first of all, thanks for having me on your primate talk and congratulations to you and uh, your colleague Arunditi on um, starting this. It's uh, indeed a very good idea and thanks for having me. Uh, the short answer to, answer to your question is yes, uh, it does broaden my uh, horizon and while you have indeed listed so many things, uh, most of these things uh, have either been uh, beginning at the school level well I was a kid and I think that is where it all began. My, my parents thought that uh, right at the childhood uh, while I was a very active and a physical kid that should that can be channelized into better ways. So why not go for a gymnastics or why not? along with sports, also take up mountaineering because that's a seasonal activity. But most of the things have been uh, voluntary and done uh, out of interest, uh, working with uh, the municipal corporation or as a, other voluntary activities, have been just done out of interest and uh, passion. And uh, I think uh, they have given me those kind of experiences. So any event that I would look, any simple event that happens in our family circle or a friend circle, the way I look at it automatically is in a very all, uh, you know, uh, in a very different comprehensive lens is what I feel. And in some way or the other, it has helped me either ways, like my academic research as a student, as a student of political science has helped me in the way I understand sports are uh, extracurricular. And the sports and extracurricular has helped me 
in the way i understand uh, academics and uh, politics and policy yeah definitely i mean having you here uh, was one of my very initial ideas ki bhai manas ko i have to get here somehow because uh, i think the very first interaction we had apart from our you know we we were in the same school we have known other known each other for a very long time we used to go to this place called as the uh, saraswati krida sankul which was this sports complex okay. where you know lot of uh, you know uh, youth came in all school children used to go to do so many different activities right that was the first instance we met apart from school and then there you were very actively involved in gymnastics i believe and then table tennis as well so that was one instance. so that, that, that's so correct that reminds me if i am not wrong in the school we were in different divisions but i used to play gymnastics and this one sudden day you know green fluorescent uniform that some cool has i i see you as sport you playing basketball let's see over oh, you also uh, come to the some cool or table tennis i think table so tennis. no yes indeed so uh, some cool in some ways was a good beginning because that was the only place if i am not wrong in thane uh, that had all sports uh had a great institution that was committed to you know allowing kids and veterans to play sports as an amateur as well as professionally uh you know ranking tournaments and state level and they were consistently also one of the institutions where was sending people at a very competitive level it was a good place to be in apart from your school activities uh i remember uh, rushing to uh, taking another extra van or extra bus after school to going there and uh, my mom was to wait for me there and change my school uniform to my uh is some cool uniform and then then go go back sometimes i think uh, i sometimes i also get surprised where exactly did we get that energy from <laughs> today we have a 7 hr work day i am sure and after that we get get so exhausted but uh, we literally had 5 6 hours of school then your regular homework and then again 2 3 hours of whatever favorite sports we used to play so sometimes i myself get surprised where did that energy come from yeah 100% man and uh, i think our school particularly the, the whole shrima balni ketan uh, uh, group of institutions they were influential i mean some people might like to argue that but i think we had a very very holistic upbringing in a in such a way probably not as much in athletics say because you know uh, owing to uh, the school complex or so but uh, from from a cultural perspective we were exposed to uh, all of the stotras right uh, you know uh, which uh, depending on the particular festival coming up we used to have these activities in in our whole school so i think that gave us this uh, very uh, you know comprehensive background on different things and then uh, we were always encouraged to you know participate in different things and i noticed that about you a lot that you were always very uh, you know forthcoming in such events right uh, if if there was any particular occasion in which someone needed to speak so it used to be one of uh, you or vinith so yeah that was really something which uh, struck me 
that you know uh, that that capability to uh, face a lot of people without lot of hesitation per se so yeah that is something i think you must have uh, built on gradually or did did your oratory skills or you know uh, uh, ability to uh, say verbalize your thoughts effectively so it, did it come naturally to you or have you actively tried to improve upon it even now right now i think it's a mix of both uh, mix of both the uh, the by default part of it was where uh, you know uh, it, i think um, uh, my father uh, ensured or rather always uh, motivated me to uh, motivated me and ensured that i fall in that audience just like he pushed me into the audience or pushed me into this see even if it's a either a family normal family uh, program or with friend circles my my father had a large college friend circle and so in these occasions he pushed me to ensure that i talk i participate in events and which i think helped me that was the first part of it and the second was coming back to the uh, sports days was that uh when uh, other than the school usually in school what happens is that's the only audience you are engaging with school friends are your only engagement at that age and rightly so they should be your uh, audience and friends and pals at that age uh, like you you don't have you are kid for but say but uh, but because i was participating other than that also in other audiences along with the school audience i also had other audience so uh, so uh, confidence from one kind of engagement spilled over to other kind of engagement and uh, which helped me in uh, all kinds of activities then uh, even in the like from your first second grade to from to becoming a class monitor and speaking to the class or uh, participating in uh, all kinds of extracurricular activities or rather leading taking the lead it gave both confidence and the ability but uh, i still think it's a learning process uh, today today when i am still living in you know classroom environment with my present policy school classmates or i am talking to certain government officials or bureaucrats or researchers uh what you speak and the way you speak continuously keeps changing and sometimes i still uh, either have to do extra homework or i still get nervous or conscious about am i speaking the way i should be so it keeps on changing i think right right and and when i think about this you have been talking you have been working with uh, you know political parties uh, people in very high places right bureaucrats you have uh, you have campaigned you know door to door for atishi marlena if i'm not correct if i'm not wrong right yes that's that's right it was uh, yeah please yes and uh, in addition to this uh, you definitely have worked towards raising sponsorships or say you know uh, making making a certain idea known to people right because a lot of a lot of work must be going on in the background for a certain idea or certain plan to be set up with your team 
so but when it comes to uh, you know communicating this idea to important people or say you know pitching this idea or selling that idea right uh, how does that come into play you know have your experiences been in which say you know sometimes people are dismissive for instance so does does convincing come into play there uh which is where i would i would bring uh, right after our school like until our uh, 10th grade we were all in the same school but this is where it changed where i got an opportunity to attend a college like xavier's uh at 11th and 12th grade or in, in right as an undergraduate student i was uh, there was a uh, such a large and uh, substantial menu from from which you could pick up any kind of activity you want to take up uh you are interested in music you take up that you are interested in literature you take up that you are interested in writing or plays you could do that our cultural festival so uh which i think uh, uh helped me to uh you know pick and choose everything of my interest and once it is of your interest and your passion uh you automatically become more convincing is what i feel uh if uh, for you mentioned the sponsorship or you mentioned door to door uh let's let's uh, i mean if you think about it what is door to door of course first of all that the uh you know i got that opportunity of it was of course entirely a volunteering opportunity and it was only due to good friends uh in in that case it was my friend uh, akshay marate who was working with atishi and gave me that opportunity so in both marketing or sponsorship or door to door what are you basically doing you are talking you are going to an audience who have you have not met before you you will not ever meet before uh, again possibly after that particular meeting but then uh, what you are selling in in the sponsorship case i was trying to sell and promote classical music where youth are involved where students are involved it is a very rare kind of a thing where students are organizing at a, such a big level so that was the usp i was trying to sell and i was very convinced from the inside that this is a very good idea and uh, if we if we want to make music more progressive when all encompassing uh, you if youth get involved then you can do it of course we all had the guidance of seniors and advisors and faculty which is why we could do it it was not entirely our own and same with things like door to door you are passionate about uh, in this case atishi that some, uh, some some such an educated woman uh, who is participating into mainstream politics it's it's great right so why not tell more people about it why not tell friends why not tell colleagues and acquaintances about it or for that matter even um people you have not met before normal people uncles aunties that was this is the case uh, is your your you have a very Uh, educated and a learned woman who has been an advisor so uh, so that is where the convincing came from is what i uh, feel yeah i can imagine uh, you you know uh, going to different houses in delhi and then uh, so this was in delhi correct uh, the 
Yes, yes, that was in Delhi, and the sponsorship part or the Indian music group part was when I was in uh, college. College, uh, right? Yeah, and the 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 most important thing about uh, Atishi is that I was just trying to know more about her, right? She being a part of the Amadmi party, and so she was a Rhodes Scholar, correct? If I'm not wrong. That's right. She was a road scholar. Road scholar. Yes. Yeah. So for her to give up that comfortable life, she would have easily, you know, gotten into a MNC somewhere outside India, right? Probably the UK somewhere else. But uh, she did a kind of a sacrifice there and then came back here uh, to, you know, for for whatever cause, her calling, basically, right? I think yeah, that that is one uh, thing which could resonate with a lot of people if they try to know more about different leaders. Right. So, uh, how are the people generally? So, when you when you went for door to door, right? Uh, how are the responses of the people which you talk to? Uh, that's right. Before I answer that, what you said, I uh, think she or for that matter, lots of people uh, uh, who uh, you know uh, are not your you know are not on social media perhaps or are not on this thing. But that sheer motivation and passion leads them to do voluntary activities. And in this age, uh, in our age, at you know 20 to 25, uh, doing voluntary activity over and above either academics or over and above your professional duties is in itself very uh, you know uh, I mean says a lot about the uh, uh, person. And uh, you asked about the kind of people I met, is it? Yeah, the responses of people when you uh, when you're trying to, you know, oh, the responses them. are yeah, yeah. That was something you asked earlier. Also, I think I missed that. I think uh, you are when you are in an in a very big audience, or you know, in general, in a very big college, a very big school, or very big, you know, uh, society in general. Not everyone. Uh, uh, buys your ideas. Not everyone thinks about the way you do, which is where I think uh, because uh, you know we keep thinking. Then the, why isn't the people in uh, in in front of me thinking just the way I am, or why is it that case? But then uh, social identities is where that comes in. Your family upbringings are different. Your social identities that you represent in a society is uh, very uh, different. So that is what I think uh, makes up people's opinions. And it is not always that people agree with you, which is uh, which is okay. And uh, you keep talking to people, you keep engaging. And there will be some like-minded people who you meet. Or uh, you... Uh, are, are you uh, discuss and uh, engage. You you debate on those ideas. It could be a technical research-related idea that you not do not agree with. Uh, I mean, um, scientists and research always uh, researchers always keep disagreeing with them. I mean, uh, their research findings are rebutted by another group's research findings. Or as a layman or a tea star, also we keep uh, we keep disagreeing with uh, disagreeing and debating. So that has happened in both personally as well as uh, professionally, wherever I have worked. And uh, I'm sure you would also have experienced uh, experienced that somewhere. Yeah, 100% man. And uh, 
you know what you you have an experience of uh, say you know you worked with niti ayog right as a research group member right how was that like because uh, this is a very important organization right uh, it has a lot of credibility so uh, and you know particularly i want to know about the your role right how you interacted with people what kind of work were you doing at that time right okay okay so uh, this was entirely through uh, the indian school of public policy where i i must student or a, they call us scholars so uh, i speak to scholars uh, oh, uh, no yeah that, that is only for the uh, purposes of uh, official purposes in all capacities we are basically students uh, i so then the ispp has this immersive learning project program which is another name for an internship it's an unpaid internship called the immersive learning project and along with your academics you are supposed to uh, work in a certain organization uh, other classmates worked at different organizations i was given to work with the development uh, monitoring and evaluation office the dmo of niti aayog it was a research volunteering job and uh, uh the topic that i was given was our group was given there were three three more members with me was the impact of new wave of technologies on uh on jobs on how uh, robotics how artificial intelligence how um internet of things uh, the iot is going to change jobs in india which was uh, which was a very uh, fascinating topic to work with it was also challenging because we had to do and handle it along with our academics but it was a good experience i was i was uh, researching on the impact of these things on the retail sector uh, i purposely took retail sector because i was interested in the same uh, because in the uh, not so mainstream areas of our countries it's a lot of physical work right the retail sector uh, the supply chain that is involved in the retail uh, it's uh, it has always been a non tech and more physical kind of a work uh, how how because of these technologies the entire supply chain would change the changes that gets into the management and headquarters stage the changes that goes into uh, the actual shop stage your mom and pop stores that are there uh, your mom and pop stores the way they are structured i mean they are impacting the uh, way normal kiranas normal grocery shops function and uh, i'm sure the impact of technology uh, along with the impact that the pandemic would have uh, would exacerbate and you know it, it would change the way the entire sector fun- functions mm-hmm. yes uh, when you are talking about all of these things right the impact of robotics or say you know ai or increased automation of certain tasks with respect to you know, the whole supply chain probably manufacturing or distribution all of these things very uh, very important problem i think a problem to be addressed 
uh, we might not even know what the possible implications could be there, you know, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line. And immediately I think of, okay, Andrew Yang, uh, yeah, right. The candidate, he did not, uh, he, he was not successful enough, but the idea he put forth for universal basic income or the idea he put forth for, you know, uh, to address the rising problem of automation, right? People losing jobs. Would you draw parallels between uh, the the basic, uh, you know, uh, the, the crux of the problem here? Because to some extent, you were also trying to, you know, find out or know more about what the impact of your, all of these technologies could be, be on, uh, you know, day-to-day -day jobs or people working, right? Can you draw parallels between them? Parallels between... Uh impact of that and universal basic income is it correct correct i mean is is ubi in a way not a uh, not a method of addressing that because owing to the automation or so people might be out of jobs and ubi kind of is not trying to uh, you know it's like accepting the fact that okay automation is going to be there so what happens to the people who lose their jobs okay take ubi as a basic you know uh, kind of a basic income for you right oh that way uh, no no i i do not think that is the uh, case i personally do not think so mm -hmm. it's because first the impact of tech on the job side uh, to mm -hmm. answer that part, i think that this uh the it is not just going to be low skilled or non-skilled unskilled jobs that are going to be impacted uh the, the secondary research that I did, uh, it also said that the mid-level jobs that are there, uh, the, let's say in a banking, uh, uh, in a banking uh, or a finance sector, uh, it is also equally going to be impacted just like the retail sector, your finance and banking, where, you know, uh, suddenly what was happening on a pen and paper, it is all going to be automated soon. And the mid-level uh, mid-skilled people who are there, who are, uh, they, they're not unskilled people. Of course, you have people who are well trained in commerce and accounting and are working in banks. Uh, uh, they are going to be impacted too. In fact, one of the hypotheses is that uh, the impact on the middle mid-level jobs would be much more than the uh, un unskilled or low-skilled jobs. That is one part of it. The universal basic income is, of course, related because you are talking about uh, a demography that may have been, uh, may not be as educated as the senior level jobs in any organization. So, but then how that debate is different is that it, then you talk about, then you enter a territory of income inequality and the wealth inequality that exists. Uh, uh, because of many reasons, because of, uh, because if you are a minority in a country or a state, or if you are, you belong to a marginalized section that has been excluded in the society, you do not have that kind of access to education and healthcare. And you end up taking uh, uh, jobs that are, uh, you know, uh, are not well paid. And, uh, and they are not 
not well paid because you're you're working any less uh it's a very theoretical argument that you know as there's there must be some dignity of labor uh and uh, there must be some minimum wage that should exist and andrew yang yes in fact uh bernie sanders has talked about it and there are uh, there are a myriad of researchers who have given several arguments to which the debate continues actually now uh, someone like a piketty thomas piketty as you would know has argued in his two long fat books as and has shown graphs from decades together as to how incomes have changed in europe in us in uh, uh, western european countries particularly and in the asian countries or emerging markets like india uh and argues that that should be a wealth tax or uh i mean let's i mean let's not get into the complications of it because there are agreements and disagreements but uh i mean i personally stand for um uh the case where irrespective of how jobs are going to be impacted the minimum wage is because healthcare something like a healthcare uh has become so expensive that uh as a as a if you do not give me that minimum wage i cannot even uh visit a neighborhood doctor or neighborhood professional to check myself and by the time i do it becomes very severe the entire household gets affected hmm. so what i uh, feel right uh, and particularly the healthcare problem right i think it could be more pronounced in the us as compared to india i mean not to mention that you know indian private hospitals are charging a lot of fees right very costly treatments there but i i appreciate the fact that indian government hospitals uh they work at full capacity all the time which is not the best case scenario possible but uh, like the doctors working there right they are always overworked at least it seems to me like people have that perception they are they are not really willing to you know directly go to government hospitals everyone wants to go to a fortis apollo manipal so on and you know yeah. big names and also in 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 uh, just to criticize these big names also there have been numerous incidents in which they do not follow the you know the base policy or you know uh, the the minimum level of ethics which should be maintained they have not done that you know to in in plain english words they are trying to loot people it 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 is very much you know out there so are there any ways or you know have you have you thought about this that how how could the healthcare industry in particular for our country right uh, probably globally as well it could be improved right are there some areas which could be changed a bit of tweaking which might go a long way yes uh uh in fact uh i've thought a lot about it because uh you know someone who's uh, no and this uh, the the country is going through such a phase india that uh i'm hoping that uh given the gravity of it in some way or the other every layman has been now compelled to think about healthcare and uh on one side it's just sad that uh 
So there are, so there are dual two problems in this, I think. One is the systemic problem that has existed and worsened over the years. And one is the political and uh, administrative ignorance that has taken place in the healthcare system. So uh, if you ask about tweaking, uh, no, we need, we need much more than that. We, need, we do not only need tweaking, we need an entire overhaul of the healthcare system. I mean, if, uh, if the, uh, the highest of the, if the health minister or the prime minister uh, the, have not realized that out of what has just happened, uh, then, then, then God save us because, uh, uh, because uh, it's it's bad, right? I mean, uh, so let me start with uh, telling you the gravity of the situation, which you have all you which you have rightly said. On one hand, there is overworking and uh, extra working in government hospitals, uh, uh, and to which our uh, very well-trained and very well-intended doctors, despite having personal challenges, are overworking themselves at any cost because they have taken the oath of saving people or protecting people. And on the other hand, a profit-making attitude of, which is, which is not entirely true, like private markets and private hospitals have, uh, or the private market in general, sometimes it is uh, uh, blamed uh, too much for their uh, existence in itself. Uh, uh, they are also well-trained doctors, etc. But, I mean, there is a midway to it. It's like a, it's not a, uh, the typical argument about not being in white and black and a gray area. But, given our existing scenario and our uh, past experience, a lot of areas have to uh, change in my personal opinion. I think uh, starting with uh, universal healthcare in general, I mean, now we are, soon we will be 75 years, uh, we'll celebrate our 75th year of independence. And to think of a country where 75 years have uh, passed after you became independent and still uh, uh, people are dying due to communicable and infectious diseases. To think that uh, people do not have access to clinics, forget hospitals, mm -hmm. access to basic uh, clinics. And one is the supply side problem where we need to, our institutions need to ensure that we uh, train a lot of doctors. We train a lot of paramedics so that in terms of the number, sheer number of it, we have good enough number so that our healthcare is, uh, our healthcare can handle uh, the kind of population that we have. I mean, the debate cannot simply end at the fact that uh, we need new aims or a new uh, new other super specialty hospitals. That is one side of it. The second side is how do you ensure after access that people have the capacity to go and visit a doctor? Yeah. I mean, 
uh, uh, the the research says that uh, if like even for middle class families, forget like for the poor of course, but even for middle class families, one expenditure of a hospital admission could be the difference between you are just about surviving or you are in debt and you you are just living a hand to mouth survival. So then the question that this arrives is that uh, which models do we apply? Uh, do we apply an insurance model, uh, which is where something like an Ayushman Bharat was a good idea to start with. Uh, that was that was brought up three four years back, if I am not wrong. Ayushman Bharat as an insurance government insurance system was a good idea. China has done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if we want to replicate which country is different matter altogether, because we'll have to adjust and adapt it on what we face. But an ins- government insurance model is a very good model to ado- uh, adopt. And uh, the main problem, I think, all arrives after all this debate, we would arrive at a conclusion that until and unless health becomes an issue. Health becomes important for the political mainstream. Mm. It may not get resolved. So only budgetary allocation is not the debate. The engagement has to be that way. And people like us, uh, people like yourselves who are data scientists, uh, or me who is doing a little bit of research in health area, for that matter, for data scientists like you, the big question is: we have data on other sectors. But uh, health, which is uh, which touches every family and household, there is no data available to do research. Uh, so surprising. Uh, very surprising at one end, and very uh, unfortunate and obvious at the other, is because if you do not have records of uh, people. The other day, I was listening to um, a conversation, a debate on this a popular YouTube channel called Alert Talk. Uh, the director of Indian Institute of Public Health had come there, and uh, he gave an example, uh, which is which is very obvious. But I am not sure if uh, our uh, leaders and bureaucrats are thinking about it. He mentioned how we are going in a pandemic. And uh, it is it is uh, through the pictures and videos and information we are getting. It is uh, so obvious that the number of people who are dying because of COVID would be so much more than what we are recording right now. Uh, uh, I mean, to think of the fact that uh, a country that would be, you know, again to repeat because that would be important is would be entering you know, 75 years of independence we would be celebrating we would be would be building uh, central vista which is uh, so cool but but uh, but we do not have a mechanism to even record deaths uh, forget medical treatment forget uh, how super how many super specialty hospitals we are building we do not know how many people are dying in our country. Uh, is that what we have come to, or we have not? We have come to. In fact, that is that says a lot of about what we have always been. Uh, 
so the so the professor who had come sir sir they were speaking about how during the 1600s and 1500s even the developed western european countries went through these pandemics and plagues of years and years mm-hmm. and there that made them realize that recording of that they used to have a pamphlet that used that that used to go up weekly on a weekly basis as to how many people have died due to what reason uh so uh we are clearly uh as i said uh, we are not just tweaking to do we have an entire overhaul to be done in health sector yeah very well put there manas i mean you covered a lot of areas there and uh, in with respect to the you know making record of deaths i think the uh, the black death or the bubonic plague the you know we had the rat plague in europe and then they had these numbers as you said they had very specific uh, you know uh, count head count of people or casualties which were uh, you know they were lost in that particular disease and which it's very disheartening to see that you know uh, we are losing so many lives on a daily basis uh, and i mean for 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 a general person we were doing well as a country up until january february right it was it was better as compared to the us or the rest of the world maybe i'll take the freedom of saying that and then it has again uh, everyone knows what has happened right now in the last two or three months and uh, from you particularly being very closely involved with uh, right uh, multiple multiple programs right so you are working with local authorities on this covid relief right trying to find out solution so from you i would like to understand what could have been the reason right that this major issue happened right unexpected kind of right uh, which two three points you think went wrong could have been done correctly right and say after after getting to know this what future measures could be taken in such situations right particularly for this covid thing okay okay um, so there are two three parts of it in which i would uh, like to answer the question uh, uh first is uh, that we were doing better than other countries uh up until january on that part sudesh uh i think we did not uh, record enough data in the initial months uh, a senior researcher and uh, professor uh, dr ajay shah uh, and i would uh, recommend rather strongly recommend your uh, watchers and uh, listeners to go read him up he writes writes regularly his own personal blog and as well as in business standard that uh, it could have been equally bad in the initial months also uh, but we did not we may not have recorded it uh, we may not have recorded it for multiple reasons which is where first problem comes into picture problem 1 is uh, we did not we do not have established mechanisms enough for research uh which is again half part of it the other part of it is there are a lot of institutions who are doing good scientific research but they are not listened to or they are not uh, given an audience by the uh, top level 
authorities, starting from the Prime Minister. I believe the accountability starts from Prime Minister and down. Uh, that was problem one. It was uh, okay for us to not know what we are up against in the initial weeks and months of March, uh, of, of February rather. But once we did, uh, any accountable and responsible and uh, empathetic government. Nowadays, I mean, we keep talking about competence, but a simple quality like empathy is also needed for our public representatives and leaders, right? Yeah, we did not uh, we did not acknowledge the severity of it. That was problem number one. Uh, uh, this is going back. I'm taking you back to February of last year. When information started coming in from the WHO and China, and then later uh, the CDC, we, when CDC came up and WHO came up with the information, the the premiers of both the countries were uh, having a huge rally in uh, the now uh, renamed or retitled Narendra Modi Stadium in Ahmedabad. Uh, uh, so. That was the problem. Um, and look at the numbers. The US was equal. U US was very bad in the initial months of last year, the entire T of last year, rather. And India is, you know, I don't have to describe what India is going through. Then, when we did acknowledge the fact that it is bad, that is where the second problem comes in is that one, it's a pandemic. It's a public health emergency and not a uh, administrative emergency or a police emergency or a national security issue but on in march when we did announce a lockdown uh, because of the necessary issues and numerous researchers and much more senior people have said that so whatever i'm saying right now is either uh, uh, either putting it in a different way or what I feel as a student or at worst it could be a repetition of what your uh, what you or your audience would have already read or seen. Uh, people, uh, public health experts and uh, other very senior people have already said this. It's because when a, a public health emergency was there, we put up lockdown that was a very harsh police lockdown uh, and that too from the central level uh, the problem is this, this is a problem the police lockdown is a problem that we see the problem the long-term problem that we have to solve for this is a change in the existing legis legislations that we have at the central level uh, the lockdown was put under the NDMA, National Disaster Management Act. And uh, as the name says, uh, it is meant for uh, managing and uh, managing disasters. When countries are faced, it's, you know, it's a cyclone, there is an earthquake. The NDMA kicks in so that starting from your district to the central government can focus on the rehabilitation effort, relief efforts. But this is a pandemic. This is a public health emergency. Uh, of course, you need physical distancing. Of course, you need masking and certain extra powers for the district to take calls on how citizens should behave. Uh, 
but a police lockdown an administrative lockdown cannot dictate how your citizens going to behave that is a clear uh, you know your uh, you know instead it should be in an engaging way where citizens themselves realize and in a participative way that they trust the government uh, which is where the problems of people not following the lockdown and etc comes in so which is we would need going out of the pandemic whenever we do i'm not sure when that would happen we are only in the second wave unfortunately uh, is that when we do go out of the pandemic stage i think uh, um, that we need those relevant legislations uh, the the disappointing part is uh, the political party or the political dispensation in general that is in denial of how the pandemic is going to turn out or in denial of how your vaccine strategy should be will they have uh, uh, will they think in a certain way that is uh, in a uh, you know a broad minded manner thinking a little futuristic i would say to say that okay whenever next public health emergency would arrive my country would be prepared for that public health emergency and the country and the respective states uh, would have legislations in place so that they can handle this public health emergency in a better manner this is uh, what the second problem uh, would be uh, the third problem i would say is i just mentioned states and the role of federal states uh, uh, of course we are a Uh, union of states and uh, the centralizing tendency was needed when we became uh, independent and wanted the development for our country but uh, most of the work the implementation work has been done by the states in the entire pandemic so uh, going forth how do we ensure that states have money to spend how do we ensure that state governments here i'm talking about state governments of course that how do state governments have money and funds to spend for their own people uh, state governments simply don't have they are very dependent on the uh, central government for that how do we ensure that uh, there are provisions so that a state level or district level lockdown can take place or a state level or district level uh, relief efforts food efforts uh, you know food provisioning and rationing efforts and uh, uh, health efforts also for that matter take place is another challenge and we'll have to uh, ensure that uh, both the central government the finance commission and the state governments uh, coordinate and uh, ensure that uh, that happens uh, and the problem goes on the problems if you would ask me we have a vaccine problem which we could discuss we have the uh, what do you say infrastructure or uh, instrument problem in terms of oxygens and ventilators and if you wish we could discuss that but for now these are two three of the many problems that i see as a student and as someone who does a little bit of research on health 
yeah i think you gave a very comprehensive uh, you know background of the problem right you split it in two parts so that you know uh, the the whole chronology of how this came to be it it becomes a bit more clear so yeah thanks for that and uh, i mean definitely we can discuss more on very specific aspects right you know the uh, the vaccine problem as you said or the equipment problem right and then you have been working with uh, our local governments as well right you have you have worked with the bombay municipal corporation correct uh, like how was that working with the bombay municipal corporation or even so many so the praja foundation which you had or the uh, there was this organization right you are working for that yes. uh, as well as That's the correct, khana yeah. khana chahiye uh, initiative so tell us more about that uh, working on these uh, projects uh, right uh, and from different areas not just one but uh, with with respect to different stages perhaps in your trajectory how how did that give you different insights because this is more of grassroots level work which you were doing right that's uh, that's correct sidesh uh, uh, how the genesis of this is the fact that as an undergrad student and especially as a postgraduate student i was in university of mumbai so i was basically located in mumbai and was staying in at my home with my family 2017 onwards and i continuously felt that as a student of political science or social science uh while i am learning these things i should go out and uh, in some in voluntary work of course all of this is voluntary work can go and participate in some ways that would help me apply i was very confident of my uh, administrative knowledge and so uh, uh, knowledge of politics and policy so i thought why not go and volunteer so uh, the praja to begin with Praja Foundation was a fellowship in which I was working with PMCs, uh, councillors from all four political parties: the Shiv Sena, the BJP, the Congress, and the Rashtrawadi Congress from Kurla and Ghatkopar area. I was working in Ward L and Ward N. Ward L is Kurla and Ward N is Ghatkopar, uh, and dealing with local issues. Sometimes, I mean, we you know theoretical debate or. Uh, Uh, in a very seminar kind of a, an environment, we keep, keep talking about. Oh, we have the seventy fourth constitutional amendment in place. Urban local governments, urban local bodies, not governments, and we need decentralization. Why do you want a state government to call the shots on small issues that neighborhood have, neighborhood face? You know, it can be faced by a local councillor, local. So that was in that terms, it was. i was directly working with the councillors and uh, that was through a fellowship and as a continuation just after the pandemic kicked in i thought uh, we lost our audio manas okay just a second yes now it's all right now it's all right perfect uh okay can you hear me now yes perfect perfect uh what i was saying was when the janta curfew the famous or infamous janta curfew kicked in before that itself when information started to pour in on how the pandemic is going to be i thought this is not going to be uh, one week two week or as our prime minister said 21 din right 
it is going to be much more longer and if i am going to be in thane then why not do something in thane uh so and it suddenly kicked in that uh, one of my college friends father was the is the district collector of thane right now uh, uh so narvikar uh, rajesh narvikar is the uh, thane district collector so i thought uh, and i initiated i i not uh, call my friend or anyone i directly called up the district office and said sir i am going to be in thane i am a political science student i am a policy student i understand how district administration works i understand how uh, what are the powers of a tehsil dar at a tehsil level what the district what the dm should be doing at this point what the municipality doing should be doing in any way i can help you i want to help you uh, in a voluntary so he said oh, call that's an interesting story uh, Uh, because we haven't been talking about all these things, I haven't been able to tell you. Is that instantly he called me uh, on the day of Janta curfew, uh, and furthermore he called me during that four forty-five to five p.m. period <laughs> when everyone was supposed to uh, clap and bang thalis, and I was anyway not going to do that as a a uh, person with scientific temper and uh, a little bit of knowledge of how pandemics and viruses work i was anyway not going to clap so i took my scooter and while entire thane was uh, clapping clapping I, i i went there to visit the district and i thought okay i am going to visit the district magistrate only so what is it that is going to was it going to stop uh, so i went there uh that was the beginning i i i just thought that i'll help in whatever i don't have any say voluntary work i am going to be in thane so uh, i was helping with uh, coordinating with the district office and the district collector office was helping me to do the relief work for which i was getting calls and uh, uh, calls from migrant workers especially from jharkhand from uttar pradesh from bihar from other areas who were stuck in thane district you know shahpur uh, or uh, other tehsils on uh, ullasnagar etc and then uh, uh, district office was very uh, very positively helping me to get those particular persons in touch so that the rations can be provided community kitchens can be started uh this was how i was helping uh the thane district office and individually only i was getting calls and i was only initiating and uh, uh, uh getting in touch with them uh the khana chahiye was uh, as you would have seen and i'm sure your audience would have also seen on um, uh, social media so my friend and uh, my who uh, is an like an elder brother only uh, ruben maskerinis uh, when this janta curfew kicked in everyone started thinking that oh what now i mean just like me individually all of these people also in the circle were thinking what now what happens to people who do not have jobs 
what happens to people who are migrants and they do not have houses to stay or extra day of ration or food with them how will they eat how will they survive so therefore this rather uh, local and a rather relatable term called khana chahiye came in mm-hmm. uh, rubin and a group of his friends senior people elder people than me they thought of this and they started this they got in touch with a uh, like minded people who would want to help through funds or through other contributions and money and uh, uh i was as i said anyway at home i said oh yes of course i'll help out so so therefore then we in the mumbai metropolitan region since 22nd or 24th of march of 2020 khana chahiye has been providing ration food and cooked food cooked food is also very interesting is because cooked food it's not any food that we were providing mm-hmm. we collaborated with the hotels and restaurants association and uh, uh the restaurants who were closed anyway in the lockdown they were preparing food and the kind of food that was given was not only nutritious but hot that could actually fill bellies of people who do not have a uh, a uh, means to earn uh, so we provided that through mmr and then we started in thane also and then bms and is then the other good part siddesh is which it is my one of my core principles also is instead of working in silos you know people donate money people uh, work individually instead of that to scale it up it is always better to work with the system with the government so if you individually you have let's say 1 lakh of rupees and you are trying to donate or help someone great you are doing out of interest out of genuine feelings but if the same effort can be done with the administration with your local elected representative councilor uh many a times you don't know where local elected representative is you either work with the local representative or the municipal corporation or the local district and then you can uh you can be much more efficient in what you are doing because the administration has the resources of recognizing people and at the same time you can scale it up in a much bigger way and which is what we did later we were as thana chahiye we were coordinating with uh, people we went in the thane nashik highway you are from thane so you of course know migrants started walking uh, there was no other resort and at that point there was no administration at all at the, on the road on the thane nashik highway on Gor- at gorbandar road at these arterial roads of mumbai and thane and the uh, mmr basically so we went there in thane nashik uh, at thane nashik highway and we were providing food water to those people and uh, this is what the work with uh, khanaj after that uh, sadly i got into an academic program that is why i am at ispp or i am studying right now so i couldn't contribute uh entirely later i had to pause that a little uh the other interesting thing i mean you are a 
data scientist and a researcher yourself for our community is how you bring everything together right so voluntary effort was going on but uh, we also started this hunger map as to what could be the study that can go on to recognize where the hunger most is mm-hmm. uh, uh, but then that is that can be shared sometime uh, later perhaps to as to what the severity of food is uh, what the uh, uh, you know how can you map hunger is what the uh, objective was but literally said now i am still in an academic program i started studying but uh, I, i would want to mention here that uh, ruben and uh, my other immediate colleagues like neeraj and mithila and others are the ones who have been entirely spearheading that now uh, i i in many ways couldn't despite wanting to uh, so they are the ones who are entirely doing this voluntary effort and helping in any way what they can yeah it's it's really beautiful the way you described so many initiatives manas because i can only imagine the sheer level of will power dedication diligence which is required to you know uh, bring all these uh, people together and put forth this initiative it is one thing to you know uh, make a blueprint of idea it is another thing altogether to work with different local authorities to achieve a certain goal and not out of you know expecting some some profit but rather out of pure empathy or you know feeling that connection towards people ki i have to do something towards this community so yeah a beautiful initiative there and then thanks for mentioning uh, your colleagues also the people who are spearheading this right uh, they deserve their share of recognition so yes and uh, what i would like to point out is like and this could just be me like there is a general level of apathy or uh, you know or lack of concern in today's generation particularly towards you know uh, uh, their service towards community me being included right i never felt the need to you know do my bit definitely i empathize with people but probably uh, that is a certain you know uh, not so good quality about me that i never actively took part in a voluntary organization i might donate blood or so you know on a regular basis that is something else but uh, to do something substantial substantial right there has to be a certain level of youth mobilization that should go about right uh, uh, people should be interested in this and it's just i feel that you know probably not many people are showing their interest towards these very important fields right so uh, do, do you do you kind of resonate with this or uh, what do you feel about this what could be done perhaps um uh, uh, there is one disagreement that i would state is you mentioned i mean uh of course there is a need of uh empathy but i think it is much more than empathy it's not just about empathy. Uh, i would disagree where you said that uh, you have not done much or you have not done substantially much uh i i don't agree because uh that is the usual binaries we try to state uh as to some people who are doing something and the others who are not doing anything uh i i think that every person something as simple as the fact that you are employed in the job market you have educated yours and you as in not you but any person any youth like us 
is you are educated and you are contributing to your economy in some ways now contributing to the economy doesn't merely mean uh, filling up your income tax that is again a very but the fact that you are contributing to the economy by uh, being in the job market in itself uh, you are contributing to yourself you are con- by the virtue of being employed you are ensuring your household your family is good by keeping yourself and your family healthy uh, and the neighborhood uh, in in at a general it's like a circle is that goes on increasing yes so you are healthy your family is better the the fact that you are you are healthy you are able to contribute even better if you are not healthy you cannot work you cannot uh, you cannot educate yourself so that way you are of course contributing every one of us is of course contributing to economy and therefore the country uh so the fact that no one is contributing is i don't uh, 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 agree with there are certain um, and then this is one aspect of it uh, the other aspect of it is um, being empathetic and doing is it personal motivation has always been that principally uh, my upbringing was such that uh i am very committed to public service and social justice something uh another person because of caste because of religion because of economic and financial reasons not getting something so so to answer your uh, second part of the question is that uh you you are also interested in interesting you are, you are, you lead up beyond your subject so in sociology there is something called the ascribed status and the achieved status so as uh, ascribed status is what is ascribed to you the moment you are born hmm. uh, you do not uh, you do not know which caste you are going to be born in you do not know which religion which uh, how rich or how poor you are going to be born in but uh the society and the administration and the uh, policy in general in our con- in in india is such that uh you are discriminated on the basis of these ascribed statuses which which shouldn't matter at all the ascribed status shouldn't matter at all and which is where i then feel that when uh some something and not getting something is the ascribed status is her or his caste is her or his religion that is where sir, that is my line i cannot uh, uh, i cannot tolerate that uh, uh, do i have the resources to change the world or change the country at this moment perhaps not or for sure not i don't i don't uh, but can i do something at my own limited way uh yes of course i can which is what i uh, try to do and lot of people try to do in their own ways uh take something like a family uh for one individual family would be so supportive that she or he does not have to think of 
supporting their family or having support from their family therefore they can go out since the school and college age itself they can go out and help others but for others there would be family challenges they have to deal with first they would have a grandmother uh, you know father would be going to work uh, mother given up given a typical conservative household mother has compelled to uh, is in her kitchen limits and is compelled to cook and do household work and that individual may have to take care of his or her ailing grandmother or grandfather so does that mean he or she has no passion or no empathy to help others no they would having be much more than that but then the circumstances are such that they have to focus on the immediate and uh, what is around hmm. that is there and then lastly on youth mobilization uh, i think definitely that is the need of the hour it is uh, uh, it is need of the hour not 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 just you know theoretical or in abstract sense oh youth coming together look good youth are motivating and youth have the adrenaline to uh, do best of the things and achieve best of the things that is abstraction or that is idealism but youth does bring idealism with them uh uh i'm sure uh, which whichever political ideology or organization you belong to uh, uh your obama had certain idealism when he was in his 20s your bernie sanders had certain idealism when he was in his 20s uh your uh, uh, you know even even women leaders i mean we mention only men leaders because that is what you it is understood that men should be leading the country or the world even women leaders in their own ways had that idealism like a mumta banerji or like uh, an angela merkel uh, who you know educated herself in some ways and now is a leader of and then there are uh, and for that matter even uh, you know it would be a not so popular thing to say but the human rights and civil rights activists and lawyers and journalists who are working on ground uh, i i would want to mention um, uh miss narwal who you must have read uh, an uh, article uh, she lost her father a few days back but has been in jail for years now and uh, uh, she she couldn't see her father dying uh, because she was in jail for a case that is going on uh even women leaders and journalists like these uh who are going on the ground who are doing on ground reporting fighting for human rights and civil rights they have that idealism to work together and uh which is why i am personally motivated to uh uh you know you know get to do you know, get together and work in the same but not just with the idealism but also the political pragmatism that you need along with it uh which is uh, you know understanding how political parties function understanding if there is a certain propaganda taking place uh, uh, then you should be pragmatic enough and uh, uh, you know uh, 
uh, educated enough, which is where the education comes in, uh, which is why someone like an Ambedkar said that, uh, you know, that, that protesting or challenging of the government for social reform or social change is required. You feel empowered when you are in that identity. And along with the social identities, I do not think social identities and caste identities go away just like that in a matter of years or days. They remain, which is why we have that discrimination. But another identity along with caste and religious identity we do have is identity as youth. And I mean, uh, how long would we be seeing the same kind of mistakes made by one party or the other, uh, leaders of which are in their 60s and 70s. Uh, like, uh, th there has to be some reflection point as to where we say enough is enough, right? Uh, so then at that point, we have to be rebellious enough to challenge them. We have to be threatening enough. We can be threatening only when we are educated and uh, are mobilized and together. And we have to be pragmatic enough then to organize ourselves well. So have our own independent faces uh, uh, who can challenge them is uh, what I feel. And them in the sense, it's not limited to our country. Them is everywhere. I mean, uh, there would be youth who would be today uh, rebelling or challenging against the Israeli airstrikes. Or there would be youth who would be challenging the um, wealth inequality in America of the billionaires, like the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She is a youth. She is in, she's, uh, of a few years senior. But it could be done in many ways. It could be done in as an elected representative, as a lawyer, as an activist, as an um, uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, as a as a for-profit entrepreneur also. So I would link it the way I began, I would say, where I said that everyone is contributing to the economy. One would say, oh, you are a for-profit entrepreneur. You are minting money. Uh, so therefore, you are not serving the people, which is not entirely true. Uh, by being an entrepreneur, by bringing in those original and novel ideas, by ensuring that uh, a policy intervention is made, some kind of research is done, and by employing people and families, you are you are also contributing and serving in certain way. So all of this is how I link the circle. Yes, man. Now listening to you, Manas, I feel good about myself in a certain way, <laughs> for no reason at all. <laughs> That I am okay, so I am doing something good without knowing. But yeah, no. But jokes apart, I think you know uh, you you put it very uh, you put it in a very intuitive way, right? Because it's very easy to assume black and white, but there is a certain gray area or there is a certain non-binary thing, as you mentioned. So yeah, and uh, which brings me back to you know uh, the just, leaders. Just one point, if I may. Just one point, if my I may add in this. Yeah. Uh, general in general. I am a very optimistic person and I am also an idealistic person. I think that at this age, we should not, we should not all of us should not be cynicists and give up on what is this. But a 
along with their idealism and positivity, we should be aware of the fact that uh, there are issues and there are problems that exist. In today's time, being vocal and being aggressive is problematic. You could, uh, at best, you would be stigmatized and targeted by your own family members and friends for the ideologies and the positions you hold. And at worst, you would land up in jail and there would be cases against you. So, and worse off for not like comparatively economically and socially privileged people like us, it is worse off for if you belong to a certain religion or a certain caste or a certain group that is not that is very marginalized. So these issues are something we should acknowledge at every point so that we do not remain the elitist guys doing a podcast and chatting over it, but uh, also knowing the fact that this, this is the reality of today and we have to take this along with us. This is something that I, I feel that is important. I felt important enough to put it on record. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, uh, you know, any, 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 so this is something which you don't realize on a day to day basis. I think, uh, somewhere down the line, we need people to remind us, okay, what are our priorities? What should be made right? So yeah, definitely. You can, you can interrupt me whenever, man. I mean, you have so much to offer. I think we might, we might be short of time sometime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. But then, but then what happens is if I interrupt you, you may also lose your uh, thought. I mean, I may be talking, but you are connecting the dots and taking one step at a time. So therefore, if I interrupt you, we could, there is a possibility that we could uh, lose that link. So no, please go on. Yes. And yes. So uh, to the, to the earlier point, right. Uh, we mentioned uh, different, you, you mentioned AOC. Uh, we mentioned Bernie Sanders earlier, right? So all of these people in the field of policy making, ma- making legislation, right? They are going to pass new laws. Uh, which traits do you think are necessary for such people in power, right? That is the first part, right? Traits necessary for people in power. Second is that, uh, you know, lot the, the intelligentsia of our community, of our society, people with high academic degrees, uh, you know, some people might, uh, some are literary geniuses, right? And uh, some people who are, you know, quote unquote lobbyists, right? The, the elite class in the academia industry, they have probably not soiled their trousers working in the, you know, trenches. They have, they have, they do not have that experience of grassroots level work. Uh, they, they take an opportunity to criticize the existing government, to criticize the, uh, you know, uh, the ways of working perhaps, right. And this, this happens in every generation perhaps, right. Now, and everyone is free to have their own political affiliation, right? But, but celebrities, they have a certain following, right? And they have a certain moral responsibility to make sure whom they are endorsing. So perhaps this is, this is just my opinion, right? And because there is this association of, you know, so-and-so celebrity support, so-and-so person. Now, dude, you are not even working on the field, but why do you want to make your opinion known to so many people, right? You probably might be projecting a wrongful idea. So these are the two uh, 
you know areas which i want your opinion on what do you think the first part of you know what traits are necessary for a policy maker uh, quote unquote and then second as we just discussed so okay so it's a lot of things that you yeah. if i miss something do ask again we will come back yes yeah uh, first thing on the traits uh i do not think there is a uh, there is a list of traits or a, a to do list of what are the traits you should be either born with or you should be either trained with mm-hmm. so to me in order to be a i in order to be an you know ideal elected representative or an ideal mla and mp or an ideal congressman or congresswoman or a senator or for that matter the president or the prime minister uh the traits are anything you do uh in which you are uh, you know contributing in that way i think by giving examples that this could be made uh, much uh, simpler i would say uh let's say you are a data, you are a data scientist uh so you know how to build huge data sets you know how to ensure you collect those resources in order to build those data sets and once those see data uh data has no no importance as such but data sets data sets have much more but in fact uh uh this is something i would uh, i am in academics and researchers so i cannot borrow uh, i cannot steal someone's ideas and keep this is something uh, our dean uh, subhashish gangopadhyay uh, we call him sg uh, said in a lecture on data economy is that data sets when you have data sets in front of you they are they have certain value they have certain importance and uh i'm so sorry for bringing in everything but this is something that uh comes in my mind so and then you also know of how to interpret the, those data sets let's say you are working in a private company uh and you have these roles that are data scientist you could go only one step further and interact and engage with a government institution or a body at any level with a state government with a municipal government with a district government and ensure that your technical expertise is of use to them and that would change a lot of things as to how it works that is being a public servant that is being that is you are doing public service by doing that let's say you are a researcher in microsoft research and you want to know i am the best of the scientist of microsoft research in india but i don't know how i help for the people of india what do i do to i have i am from india i got the best of the education from the united states i came back now i am heading microsoft research but i don't know how to serve uh people as such but for that you don't need some extra traits like oh because this particular leader no he speaks so well i mean 
uh, or this particular leader has organization capabilities or this particular leader as is nowadays very popular is a chanakya or the campaign strategist you don't need that your technical expertise in a particular subject as a scientist is more than enough to serve the public it says that you go one step further understand how administration works understand how city governments work understand how your state works and go help them and i'm sure a minister and uh, an elected representative would more than welcome you so it both sides of the uh, uh, coin um let's say you are a uh, sociologist or a political scientist or an economist which is you know it enters the social science territory to which i belong so what is it that is different and a trait that comes up in your the trait that comes up through the training that you get as a sociologist or a political scientist is that you understand societies you understand how a tribal society functions you understand how uh, caste identities and inequalities work what is a ghettoized community why is a certain area ghettoized and why are certain kind of people living there was it organic mumbai is a very big city and the business uh, hub but why do we still have ghettos there why do you still have inequality there so this is something that a social scientist would understand and study this is his or her trait right and when this kind of person become an elected representative then the policy interventions we are designing right now are you see no effect is because these uh, these realities are not taken into consideration so a certain kind of people and section of society remains away remains marginalized so when when a social scientist uh becomes an elected representative that is what he or she will bring to the table and when a lawyer becomes a a public representative she or he will bring something else to the table which is also advantageous is because a lawyer is trained his or her traits are built in such a way that knows uh what are the nuances of that law why do we need 2000 page documents that not a layman can understand cannot can a new age lawyer a youth lawyer like us know those things can they fight better for civic liberties that that is a public uh, uh that those are the traits that unique traits that every individual brings and we need to acknowledge that uniqueness is what i think having said that there are certain things that is required when you are in public life uh i i do not wish to sermonize here because there are a lot of uh, i i just finished reading uh, obama's uh, biography and he has written in no with you know great detail uh as to how his younger days were how did he come up and something like a speech let's say you are speaking in front of 100 people and those 100 people are who 
they have not been given their wages for last 6 months from a automobile company you are you have an engineering and management background yourself so i'm sure you would have seen the case studies of ford or general motors or what happened in those times when you know wages were very less they became loss making entities and suppose your audience is in angst is in frustration and they want some healing they want to hear that someone will help them they want to hear someone will listen to them why help them even before helping as a frustrated individual you want someone to just rant to just listen to you that is a trait in a public representative i think to listen to people to understand people there would be a family uh uh in which you know there is a murder taken place there is a certain shock and if you have to give justice fighting for that justice in the courts is the second step first is can you listen to that family can you understand the family who a mother who has lost, just lost her husband so this listening capacity is i think that could be one of the common traits then is uh the patience uh, and perseverance that is required is that you know uh it could be a long fight uh i mean coming back to i have i've just finished i you know because of this lockdown and pandemic i got some few hours and i just finished uh uh obama's book as i said he has mentioned in a long detailed as to how obama care was eventually passed in the senate and the congress in in the house basically in the congress it wasn't a uh, you know he promised some things in the campaign he was in the presidential election to which he thought oh great this is a novel idea everyone needs healthcare everyone requires healthcare and everyone should understand no even democrats should understand because they have families even republicans should understand they have families so what is the problem but the real fight begins when you are working in the system there would be so much complexities that it will not be solved in one month two month it would need months or sometimes even years uh so then you should have the patience to uh do that and and handle those multiplicity of demands that come you mentioned lobbyists right i mean here yeah, is the next question you mentioned lobbyists let's let's begin that question now lobbyists what they basically represent certain interest groups and corporations and have certain demands uh promise you something in return uh uh so which is which is which is quite obvious because they are representing a certain interest group which is very official and uh uh very normal in a country like the states but is not the case with india so you need to hear all those kind of demands and then work it out which is where i would bring another book i have just finished i wanted uh, singh alwalia uh, who was the uh, ex uh, vice chairperson for the planning commission uh, we have renamed our institution so we do not have planning commission anymore but uh, 
So how did 1991 reform come in place, right? Everyone thinks, oh, uh, PVNR uh, Rao was the best prime minister that a coalition India could get. Despite being in coalition, he was very powerful and very smart, which he was. He, he as a as a prime minister, he was. Or Manmohan Singh, you know, extremely intelligent. Yeah, we lost Rao. the audio. Yes, now it's fine. Okay, hello. Yeah. So, Rao was indeed a good prime minister, and. Dr. Singh was in itself an intelligent economist, the best person you get. But the economic reforms did not happen out of the blue in 91. The struggle started or the fight for it started much earlier in 80s. There were coalition governments, there was Rajiv Gandhi's government, which is where they realized, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Aluwalia wrote a document in, in that time, uh, which is called the M document. Uh, no one knew who wrote that document. He was a very senior bureaucrat and he wrote that uh, we need these industrial reforms and we need these economic reforms and we need these trade reforms and financial reforms. Uh, that is when it started. Then the Chandrasekhar government came in. Yeshwan Sinha came in as the finance minister. Then he got changed and Madhu Dandavate became the finance minister. And uh, uh, these small, small changes kept happening. Then suddenly the government, the VPC government fell and uh, Rao government came in. And the first, uh, after the elections, the first, uh, uh, first budget speech that Dr. Manmohan Singh gave became the reform budget. So this kind of patience and maneuvering that happens between the bureaucracy and the politics or politicians is a end and wait game. That is the other thing. There are other simple things like communication because you are in public life. So you are being judged on every action that you are taking, right? So even the smallest of the things so let's say this is a this is a public podcast that we are doing. Let's say in the course of this, I have said something wrong or I said something derogatory or disrespectful and someone watches it on YouTube and says, oh, you know what? Manas said that in that video and uh, this shows a lot of bigotry or shows a lot of which is, which is, of course, valid because you are a public figure now. So you need, will be held accountable to every word you are speaking. So uh, that will be the case. And then you will, sometimes you will speak right things at the right time, but your opponents will twist and turn it in a way to, and so you need to be careful of those things. Uh, this is a very, you would in your mind say, a very long answer to the rather straightforward <laughs> question asked, uh, which brings me to the other part of what you had asked, right? Uh, yes. What was? Yes. So the other part being that you know, uh, people in the whole intelligentsia of the society, basically, right? Academicians or uh, 
literary people arundhati rai for example right who who are very critical per se of the government not just her but you know a lot of people so the second part of the question uh, basically uh, relates to you know uh, the intelligence of our society right uh, people who are you know very comfortable they are writing books or probably they are actors right uh, in the creative arts or so uh, some sometimes they take a very you know critical stance of the current government or even past governments for that matter and uh, they have a right to do so but since they have this following right in in the public light right which might be you know uh, they they could directly influence them in a way so considering the fact that they themselves do not have that proper technical background to probably comment on some you know issues or some rules new legislation what what's your opinion on that right okay so uh there again this is a complex issue and there is no binaries what happens usually is we uh, as a individual or as a collective we sometimes fall victim to binaries as to either uh these influencers or the public person or like the stars or the sportsmen's views should are the views and they cannot go unchallenged and on the other hand there is uh you know they are not the best everyone they i mean they do not understand anything these are the binaries that we fall in which 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 is uh, the issue is much more complex one is as an individual just like you and i are subject to our own personal opinions everyone is subject to our their personal opinions. whether you are an author like uh, chetan bhagat uh, who nowadays interestingly is questioning the government so uh, or you are anupam kher or you are uh, tapsi pannu or uh, anurag kashyap or you are virat or a sachin uh, which field did i miss we missed academics okay other if you are a ram guha or uh, um, you know uh, who other like kaushik basu the economist or even more controversial folks i mean controversial you know this thing folks like uh, arundhati roy or uh, uh, others ya uh, ya umar khalid or kanaiya you know these are academics because they do have legitimate phd is from universities that's why i categorize them as uh, even umar and uh, kanaiya has a phd so uh, they also are subjected subject to their opinions and their political affiliations and their political ideologies so the problem oh i did not mention the best influencer i i, I missed out on kankana i, I missed out <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean, uh, I'm really sorry about. I should apologize for missing out on Kangana. Uh, I mean, uh, so uh, the the is that uh, uh, they are entitled to their personal affiliations and ideologies. Yeah, I mean, just how you and me have a certain come from a certain family and a, a 
upbringing background they have also come in certain way and they have a certain unique experience to them they have faced they have seen and experienced in a different way uh uh to give a very uh you know explicit and an obvious comparison if you belong to a muslim family and you are a star a film star in equally successful film star and you come from a non muslim or the majority hindu family and you are also a film star uh you are earning well you are very successful you are popular but your personal experiences have been very different so you are bound to think in a different way uh and uh you so the difference then it comes is you are either vocal about it or you are not vocal about it one would say that uh so one is why do we have to wait for the stars to speak out to challenge why should we wait for uh uh, uh sachin tendulkar to say something and then the others would follow that is one side of it but siddesh uh what they are today as a cricketer or an artist it's the general normal public like uns have bought that 180 rupees ticket and have gone to watch uh, a particular film star right or i have bought the test test match vip cricket ticket at one kade and have gone because i'm a mad sachin fan or a dhoni fan and they 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 can and then when you see these stars but stars is a very uh, not in a pejorative sense i'm not talking in a very negative sense star is a, basically has popularity and influence basically uh, so then uh uh when these kind of people when you see that they are uh under pressure to say certain kind of things or not speak that is where the wrong doings or the wrong part kicks in if i am a sachin tendulkar i have all the money i have all the popularity no one can stop me from doing or saying what i want to say hmm. and there are obvious things there is a there there are complexities and there is no right and wrong or there is no black and white but there are certain things that are very obvious and in such obvious things you can't take a stand and you uh you toe the line of whichever political dispensation is influential or in power irrespective of the parties if it's the bjp or the congress or the samajwadi party you have samajwadi i say samajwadi because stars like amitabh bachchan and uh, jaya bachchan represents the uh, jaya bachchan represents samajwadi party right now so and for that matter even south parties like your the in tamil nadu and uh, yeah dmk dmk yeah 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 dmk dmk makkal neethi kamalasan so uh, uh, there's a mix of cricket and see politics cricket uh your movie or bollywood or whatever you call it uh is all very intermingled and you need to accept the stars 
stardom that has been achieved is because our society has put them to a pedestal in a certain thing so therefore when push comes to shove or when there is clear and clear injustice happening in front of you you need to take a stand uh so you need to take a stand not because your followers will follow you etc etc but you need to take a stand because your voice matters you have you have come to a position because of that privilege because of that upward mobility to a situation where your voice matters if you speak something it will change it will change things now for example like a recent example if someone like an anupam i don't know if it is genuine or what he meant i haven't seen that interview as such i just saw a notification if anupam kher indeed comes on ndtv and criticizes and says that oh no government can't do this irrespective of how egoistic the prime minister is or the government is he will think about it right oh till yesterday chetan bhagat and uh, anupam kher were okay what exactly happened i mean is it have i gone something hello correct yeah. correct no i just i just agreed so, to your point <laughs> so is there something wrong i'm doing because you know uh, like the scientists will keep criticizing us because they are the researchers and they hold no value to me but if chetan bhagat is saying something then kuch to baba mujhe sudhar karni hogi to to but then if that is the case then people like them should speak uh uh and and and, and do not forget that these uh these liberal or centrist ideological people is what got uh modi to power in 2014 uh Uh, the centrist people who thought that we need a very strong leader at the center who will change things who will change the country right uh, so um uh the concluding comment on this would be is that there is a certain elitist pattern that exists in academics i can say that because i am i have been in those circles little in the university and the research circle there is certain elitism and a privileged background that exists there and as you put it very rightly the phrase of soiling your pants is that is therefore you uh, you are of course entitled to your opinion but then if you want to do something about it go talk and engage with the elected representative yes go talk with your councillor go talk with your municipal commissioner go talk with your district collector if you are privileged enough and have the access go talk with your prime minister and tell him or her that i am an academic and this is what i think is a revolutionary idea and this should be done or this shouldn't be done do that even you can maintain your differences but do that i mean very much maintain our differences you should be very rigorous and oppose at everything that is wrong but then do that don't just be in your air conditioned rooms and seminars and uh, conferences that is where it comes the second part is that chitesh uh, eventually they are academics for a reason uh, mm. if if uh, if professor bramar mukherjee who is an indian origin a uh, biostatistician 
in University of Michigan says that there is going to be a wave and this is going to be when the peak could be these many people are going to die in may these many people are going to get infected in may she says it out of her research that she has done herself right uh if if a if a dr fauci says something he says it for a reason on the basis of the research that cdc and the scientist community has done correct so uh they they come from that position of original research and certain peer reviewed uh and this thing so therefore when they say it uh it is indeed important so uh that is how i would put it correct and i mean definitely every every uh you know every issue we talk about every uh certain aspect of of any problem we look at there are these two sides both have to be in balance so yeah again very very well put response there about both of these things right both the facets of the problem so yeah and uh, coming back to one important point right i wanted to touch upon this that uh, the education system right particularly let me put it this way uh, say i know the problems with what our current engineering education system has right let's let's not even go to the uh, pre high school wala uh, we we are pretty much you know uh, doing good there i would say probably there are a lot of problems there as well but say in the uh, in the college degree education right the higher education strata uh, say barring your iits or barring iims the premier institutes uh, what do you suggest and not even technical education it can be uh, your humanities it can be your uh, you know uh, probably basic skill development institutions right or any other institutes for instance do you think that there is a reform required there say any any arts graduate which is uh, who is going to complete their degree a uh, person right uh, is is it somehow very strongly correlated with the Uh, that people do not get jobs that easily right uh, is there a reform needed in the education system particularly higher education system the degree uh, 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 education which we have and then what you know steps could be taken say by our policy makers because i heard right now i'm i'm, I'm not very aware of the exact reforms which were uh, in underway right some some new reforms were brought forward what's your opinion on that uh Yes, Sadesh. Actually, we do indeed need uh, reforms, or uh, reforms as a word. Of course, we need reforms. Reforms is many a times a terminology that is used very loosely. We do need those systemic and institutional changes to change our educational system. In fact, even at the primary and secondary school stage, we need them, mm-hmm. and. the higher education level uh so at higher educational level i would say that um the comprehensiveness that is needed in the curriculum or the training is uh lacking on the student student side uh let's take like my, like my own example i mean i i don't i'm not hesitant to confess that the social science training that undergrad social science is not just uh, my field of political science 
but also economics which 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 after a point you need to know the mathematical part of it or the statistics also uh other if you if not you won't be able to apply that uh, for your policy interventions or evidence is that the social sciences do not give you the concrete uh let okay let me not generalize i would say uh in my case i feel that until my undergraduation i didn't because i chose social science and arts as a discipline i did not get the quantitative uh uh learnings or courses that i wanted to learn and i felt it throughout the course and after the course also of course my expertise would be and my interest would be as a uh in in politics mm-hmm. or in economics but then that does not mean i shouldn't know uh what normal distribution is or what uh you know how statistics functions in uh, the real world uh or how you would use those mathematical phenomena because after point i need to engage with all kinds of disciplines when i come out in the job market right which is where your other employment question i would link with hmm. if you if you go with the current training that you have you only know what your discipline says uh let's say i know how uh i know how um uh, you know uh, ministry functions or i know how a uh central are you talking about education i know how education sector functions but until i engage as a political scientist until i engage with an economist and educationist educationist remember is a specialist field so until i engage with the educationist and until i engage with bureaucrats and political leaders i won't be able to form that kind of policy but that engagement will happen only if you are trained and know that you have to be engaging when you go in the job market or uh like again a covid analogy uh which uh which lot of scientists and lot of researchers has given have given if you are a mathematician or a computer scientist sitting in the prime minister's office which is what is happening mathematicians and computer scientists are right now advising the prime minister but you don't have a public health expert uh you don't have an epidemiologist had they if we had an epidemiologist and a public health expert we wouldn't have been in such a situation uh that is one the second is the systemic issues that are there in the higher education structure there is a lot of polit- you know you keep we keep saying as layman are isme to bahut politics hai isme isme to sab yeah but that is a general statement as a layman but all of us as educated youth we cannot we cannot speak in such binaries and generic form right we have to be much more specific categorical and logical to show that this is wrong and this is right uh vice chancellor positions registrar positions uh other administrative positions are either filled with uh corrupt and incapable individuals 
uh, vice chancellor positions they are not really academics and researchers uh, not i'm not generalizing of course uh, this is not a generalization in any ways there lot of universities have that uh, but then you do not you of course need administrative qualities but if you are originally a genuine researcher and genuine academic then you know then you can actually ensure that at an higher educational level your university your educational institute can do that kind of cutthroat research that is important for the community and the society that is not happening we keep questioning about oh we do not have funding in research oh we do not we are not doing research like uh, the other countries are doing but then if you are not solving the systemic issue then how will that ever happen there are small examples here and there like a tat like a tifr would do a good good research your icers would do good research your your in social sciences your jnus would do or tis would do good research but they are there because their funding their independent uh thinking which is where comes the next part of the differentiation research inherently requires independent thinking you cannot say that you want uh princeton and mit level of research done in the sciences and uh harvard and uh, columbia kind of research done in policy and journalism and uh, economics when everything you say is uh seditious or everything you say is uh wrong or you know is 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 subjugated to or looked upon in a very wrong way that is not how it works if you are i am and i know you are interested in the life sciences and the chemistry if if tomorrow you say uh that in the last two decades what scientists have been doing in the life sciences or in uh biochemistry is wrong this particular hypothesis that you have come up with is wrong and i am telling you with my own original research that this is why it is wrong you should be appreciated for that right you should be incentivized for that you should be said that okay so this is this is what you claim and you think it is right please show us more evidence hmm. come with us please participate in our laboratory and the research so the administrative uh, changes and the research incentivization are the initial issues that needs to be changed uh the other is that the private public balance and this is true not just of higher education but also of school education onwards which is uh how should education sector be regulated how much should it be regulated and how much should it be open to the free market so that private foundations non profits or other private investment can come in uh but then again as i said just like other issues this is very much a complex issue as to how do you look at education do you look at education as a public good per se which it isn't it, it, it isn't a technically public good 
how you would define. Uh, but then uh, private universities are now increasing because public investment in education has not been so fruitful. Uh, we have not been able to create those independent spaces of universities and research. A lot of good work has indeed happened in both social sciences, humanities, arts and culture, as well as the core sciences and applied sciences and engineering. Engineering, of course, has the, as you said, uh, and wherever the quality has indeed been independent, like the IITs, therein we have seen uh, uh, good consequences of it in terms of collaborations with international universities, uh, in terms of uh, the people who want to go to those kind of institutions. So these are some among all uh, uh, challenges that are there. The new policy that you referred to is the national education policy that was that came up last year. Uh, it has certain good changes. It acknowledges the uh, acknowledges certain mistakes that uh, the educational institutions have been dealing with, and intends to change that. Uh, having read uh, having read the part of. Uh, what it tries to address, not the entire thing. Uh, I think that um, the, you know, the centralizing tendency can be changed, which it tries to do. It tries to bring a new higher education commission of India, HECI, and it, it, its focus is also on the foundational learning and numeracy for school children and how it can be more comprehensive. Uh, its impact and its immediate and long-term uh, uh, impact outcomes is for everyone to see. And given the pandemic, I'm not sure how the funding and how the implementation will work out because eventually state governments will be responsible to do that. Central government has implemented the policy, but education is a state subject. So uh, we'll see how it goes. So that is uh, what happens. Right. Yeah, that that conundrum of uh, one authority deciding to do something, but another authority has to actually do that. Right. Uh, it's a bit funny. And then, but for obviously for execution purposes, that is how the structure has been set. Right. Uh, so I think there are, there are no two ways about it. Uh, it has to be, it has to be uh, done with greater coordination perhaps because uh, I'm not sure to what extent this is true, but generally when the government in the particular state and in the center, it is not the same. Uh, we, we could expect some things probably to not execute correctly. Right. Am I right in assuming that there is certain rift sometimes when the central government or the state, uh, is not the same, like resources, for example, uh, the, the grant for resources or you know, allocation, does that, does, is it somehow affected or this is just a, you know, assumption which I'm making, what do you think? Yeah, well, that's the politics of it, the immediate, immediate and uh, real politics of how it works that differently. But then uh, in terms of the constitutional uh, inclusion, mm -hmm. subject education and health are uh, 
very much state supports. Hmm. So uh, it's not just designing authority and implementing authority. The states very much are entitled and empowered to design educational policies and pass legislations uh, through resolutions for themselves. So this conundrum is always going to remain. When we look at central government for health issues, uh, it, uh, it should ideally be the uh, state governments who should be so so a uh, lot of complexities uh, that are there. But in terms of education, uh, it remains a challenge. Like uh, private, private and public conundrum, the language conundrum as to which are the languages that should be prioritized. Mm -hmm. So southern states have a different priority for what kind of languages should be taught and the northern states. So uh, that, but then eventually looking at how we want to develop as a nation, what is the best, but but uh, you don't want to become just another, just only English uh, speak. In English is the, in terms of regional language, you are missing that gap. Then the gap between, this is what my personal view is, the gap between the English speaking elite and the regional, uh, uh, otherwise large regional audiences has widened to an extent where you need to bridge that gap. So how do you bridge that gap mm -hmm. through education? How do you train children to ensure that you know English enough to talk to the developed world, to, to do the best of the research you want to do, but you can still work and talk and function in your regional languages to work with your state governments, to work with local people, to work with uh, marginalized communities, because marginalized communities and excluded areas are not going to be suddenly English speaking, right? Correct. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so, which is where I come in. Us, our generation is the, uh, the product of no language, is what I mm -hmm. keep saying. Correct. Uh, we may we may be able to speak in a regional language, but won't be able to read and write in that language. Mm, right. We we are mostly English uh, because we are trained in an English language. We are brought, we know English. Beyond that, you cannot really claim you are your mother tongue is uh, Marathi. My mother tongue is Marathi, but I've grown up in uh, uh, grown up because like. Canada uh, is the mother tongue, but I've grown up in Maharashtra. Yes. So then, but then I, I, I cannot read and write in Canada. I can very much speak well in Canada. So which language do you have from? Can you really claim that I can speak all these four languages, but also read and write in the same? Not quite. Uh, uh, read and write equally well, I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, no, so a lot of these are there and these Challenges, uh, these are very important uh, things to note, given the things we keep talking about, like the demographic dividend and economic development of uh, India and all of these things. Uh, the other part, the last part is the technology, the ed tech that has, uh, that we've done. So there are uh, positives as well as negatives to it. Uh, I personally have a comparatively orthodox interpretation of how education should be done and what kind of education will help the overall well-being 
and uh, cognitive uh, thinking of a student, a kid. Uh, so therefore, while the edtech boom is really good in terms of the way it has disrupted the education market and the way it has monetized it, but uh, the question is, do you really want to prepare, test, uh, you know, exam and test and entrance, uh, entrance uh, capturing people and students, or do you want much more than that? That is where the objective theory of change that is called is the theory of change has to be clear among the policymakers. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, right, and. Uh, just on top of that, I think uh, we associate, you know, uh, very young people, right? There are there are these people like Malala Yousafzai or say, you know, Greta Thunberg. And uh, there are people on both sides, you know, people praise them for, you know, standing up to some things. Uh, people say, okay, they might not even be, you know, they are not uh, entitled enough to make such bold statements. So, uh, let me let me talk about uh, Greta Thunberg, for instance. I think everyone knows that she is against this, you know, uh, big uh, big corporations, you know, taking climate for granted. And then she made it very clear in that uh, speech, that short note which she had, right? How dare you to all these people? But uh, can can it be said that sometimes just saying stuff is a bit easy, right? Uh, but it definitely makes sense to me, you know. Uh, to to call out some things, you you have to be young at heart and young in general. Because once you are in that phase of you know you belong to a certain organization, right? You you cannot call out people directly. She can call out because she is in that position of being a student, and then she has gotten all this fame or so. But uh, kind of acting upon that, right? Uh, it might not be that easy because tomorrow if if she or if she joins a certain corporation, I don't know what she would do in her career. It could be anything, right? Now, unless her whole life is supported or, you know, uh, kind of uh, buttressed by her statement, stay, saying that she should, she should ideally try to stay true to what she said. So unless her life is completely eco-friendly, she doesn't have that authority to say or call out so many people. So what do you have to say about that? So that is first. And then second one is that it just came to my mind that, you know, uh, Malala, she was, she was shot in her head, I think by the Taliban or terrorist organizations, she survived that. And right now she's a beacon of hope for so many young women and, uh, right in the remotest part, parts of the world. But somehow I feel that there are so many more women who are actually working to a significant great extent in those areas like the Middle East, like Taliban, right? There is, there are problems like genetic mutilation, which happen and the people are working around the clock, but why don't uh, some more people, right? Who have actually worked and probably not just survived. I'm not, you know, trying to hate on Malala or so, but say she was awarded the Nobel peace prize with Kaila Satyarthi, if I'm not wrong, correct? As a joint, and personally, I feel Mr. Kailash Satyarthi is much more deserving of a single Nobel Prize to himself, not share it as a joint thing with someone else. So that is what my you know uh, hunch is. What do you have to say about say these two things? Okay, well, just to clarify on sharing of Nobel prizes, uh, mm-hmm. 
प्राइजेस इन अक्रॉस कैटेगरीज इन इकोनॉमिक साइंस पीस प्राइज और दिजिक्स और अदर प्राइजेस द ट्रेंड हैज ऑलवेज बीन दैट दम्युनिटी गिव्स दोज टू अ शेयर थिंग for example when the for economic sciences in 2019 mm-hmm. when uh, professor esther duflo and abhijit banerjee and uh, michael kramer won it was shared so sharing of uh, nobel prize it uh, must be least of our concerns that is what the all, always the trend has been for the nobel the way they give the nobel prize mm-hmm. so we will come to the other part i'll answer uh, because this is just what i wanted to clarify as far as greta thunberg is concerned or uh, other several youth like this concerned i think questioning the authority or legitimacy uh, is 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 quite wrong in my in is what i feel uh, as an individual as a citizen of a certain country and as a citizen of the world as a as a global citizen eventually you are a global citizen uh as a global citizen you are entitled to your view uh, irrespective of your age uh and as i said your backgrounds are different you may be less or more privileged you may be belonging to a developed country or a post colonial society you may be you may be in an african uh community that is uh, the that is very violent and marginalized and not developed but irrespective of that you are entitled to what you want to speak that is your speech and what your expression and speech uh and uh, that is the fundamental principle that i think the uh, i think should be followed one second you can always make changes and shift the status quo from wherever you are placed Mm-hmm. you are a national corporation you are a bureaucrat in a ministry you are a politician or you are an artist you art uh, so uh, you know usual interpretation layman interpretation is oh if you are an artist you have more freedom in general because you are the uh, creator of your own content you earn on that and whatever loss and profit you make monetarily or otherwise is yours but on the other hand if you are in an mnc or in a uh, uh, a bureaucrat in a ministry or a civil servant then there are pressures and that is not true uh, just to give an example uh, we have a development policy course at the ispp that i am learning right so our faculty was uh, professor nc saxena he is a very senior retired uh, ias officer from 1960s his batch was in 1960s and he taught us the entire course on development mm-hmm. on tribal his women policies poverty income inequality etc he gave us ex- as he was teaching along with supported by data he gave us examples ex- after examples how in 70s a young officer in a certain district he challenged the status quo and compelled the respective politician to do something how then the same in 80s and 90s 
in as high a position as a secretary of a ministry of rural development he changed things how we know very polarized and corrupt state like uttar pradesh he was the revenue secretary and revenue secretary deals with land uh it's a very controversial issue land and revenue but how he in his place he is a research mind originally a research and original thinker but he was a bureaucrat he could have very well said that i am a civil servant this is only so much i can do i will follow the orders i am a rule bound citizen i for you are very much a rule bound citizen you are very much following your civil services orders and the code that is there for the bureaucrats but you are still challenging the status quo within mm-hmm. irrespective of where you are placed you are you can still so tomorrow let's say if greta is working some elsewhere in a certain she could still be of that opinion that that is not questioning her authority or her her locus standi as you would say one cannot look for uh, you know complain or question of anyone's locus standi tomorrow sitting here you may not agree with it tomorrow sitting here i would have opinions on uh the the bombing of uh, israel and uh bombing by israel or the attacks that are going on uh and the ones that should stop but uh when you may it may be uh agreeable or disagreeable but it not cannot be uh, stop is uh what i feel and at this age doing that is uh i would say is a bold and a very great service to the global community that one could do and uh, just to you said no uh, to call upon or just to call out uh one may say that oh you are not acting upon it you are just calling uh, calling it out mm. calling we just we just discussed previously right that calling out in is itself uh something that uh shifts the status quo and needs courage to do Right. and and it doesn't have to be at global stage when when uh, some, someone like um, someone like me who is from a conservative family calls out cer- certain unscientific and if to use a loose word idiotic and nonsense orthodoxy that is practiced in terms of religion or certain practices and cultural practices at home i am calling that out and i am and i am an equally good champion if someone is doing that if if i am calling out as to uh why during the four days of menstruation should a girl or a woman be compelled to sit out the the woman or the individual the girl or a boy who is asking that to her parents and asking that to her grandparents as to why this is the case hmm out and that calling out is important i think yes definitely i think uh, the the creed to uh, you know the creed to improve something is to first identify what is wrong or you know what what we find objection to what what we want to object to perhaps and then uh, you know as you said then call it out and yeah i think i think there is there is always this question of you know whatever you do there is a thing which you have not done and then people would tell you kiar you have not done this 
have done so much so much but what about this so yeah i think that thing always is present and you know it's people, correct yeah. it's correct to which i always be correct to which i would reply to the malala question also using this as to what you have not done so given the circumstances as a teenage she did what she did and given that circumstance she lived in and the kind of society kind of patriarchal uh, society that uh, just like india how pakistan is a very much patriarchal and uh, uh, because it is uneducated more reliance on religion it is she did what she did and uh, uh, which was very much bold and appreciable uh, in 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 that context uh, so the other debate is of course and of course there are as i said Uh, again linking it to what i earlier you said of substantial contribution of an individual uh, uh i wouldn't okay great a certain person is got the nobel she got the recognition but you are absolutely right when you say that there are hundreds and thousands more who are doing same uh, similar things but which could be considered as even greater achievements given the context uh context meaning in a dalit family or in a dalit community if a woman is uh, raising up and being bold and challenging the status quo uh, she is equally or is equally a mover of the status quo i would say so in that terms you are absolutely right there are many many more and the stories need to be told we need to know the is and even if we don't unfortunately uh, uh, one cannot reach everywhere even if that is not they remain stories that remain untold they will remain stories which are untold yes and yeah definitely i want to touch upon this part manas that i was just thinking about this that uh, bernie sanders i personally like him i find him the most seen amongst all the other candidates right sometimes you know everyone says that they like bernie sanders but somehow he was snubbed by the dnc right they they did not back him as much as they backed kamala harris biden right even in the earlier uh, runs which bernie has had that guy was a senator but never actually rose to the post of you know or even was never close to becoming the president per se right uh, now is is it is it because that he has he is true to his philosophy he is true to his uh, creed that uh, these big players they should have they should pay higher taxes or you know uh, uh, this this monopoly or this wealth disparity which we have or which the Uh, which particularly the us has it has to be fixed somehow and he has this quote unquote radical uh, ideology according to his opposition which is not very practical right and uh, is that the reason why he is snubbed because uh, somehow i keep asking this to people that the the person who is in charge of the us somehow they wield a power which you know uh, it it is beyond just their country it somehow affects the global state of the world and that is that is that was reflected when trump got into power and then everyone knows what happened 
right so why do you think that is the case why does uh, why do people like bernie sanders or tulsi gabbard they do not come into power tulsi gabbard was again uh, uh, she was she is a war veteran i think twice she has uh, been to tours of the middle east i think iraq or afghanistan during the war and she has a very good background again she called out the democratic national party at, at some instances so because dnc also you know it has that it has its own lobbyists uh, as the republicans do and they do support big tech and they might look to be very benign you know or say uh, safe as compared to the republicans but even they are not dud ka dhula hua if i just want to use colloquial you know mannerisms or you know proverbs here but what do you make of that that legitimately good people right they are not backed internally by these uh, by these so called sane persons right why do you think that is the reason um so first of all just to take tulsi uh, gabbard out of the equation yeah yeah sure see her uh, her positions on certain issues are uh, quite conservative and uh, irrespective of her professional background uh, the americans uh, the majority americans do not do not appreciate those kind of conservative positions in a rather multicultural and uh, multicultural and diverse america uh, that is uh, so therefore therefore uh, supporting such uh, causes and being very conservative is is very counterproductive if you want to uh, rise higher uh, so conservative in any like any particular instance probably i'm missing something Okay, so conservative in the instance that uh, she has been affiliated to uh, uh, conservative Orthodox Hindu elements and organizations uh, okay. who have who have funded her, who have uh, campaigned for her and supported her. So, but she so being could, Hindu, I mean, like she is a practicing Hindu. No, no, no. Yes, he's very much a practicing Hindu, and practicing Hindu is not of uh, uh, the problematic thing here. Okay. Practicing uh, practicing Hindu is not of value. All of the and hot all of the candidates come from a diverse and a hodgepodge of cultural uh, country and uh, religious background, which is what America is uh, the way it was formed. the history of the us but but uh, affiliations and support and contributions of certain controversial uh, elements or organizations is will get you only until only up to at a certain level after a point uh, after a point that is not acceptable to the larger audience uh, up to the larger electorate of the us uh, coming to bernie's uh, radical views and why they do not become the mainstream uh, is that so bernie tried twice as you know uh, bernie bernie could be the given his uh, philosophy but given his ability to convert that philosophy into a grassroots movement is something that very few people carry so having a philosophy that says that uh anti war or uh 
uh, anti-big companies, big billionaires is one thing. But uh, materializing that into making the political mainstream is another, which Bernie has been successful in doing. Uh, we, we spoke about communicating it to people and making it a movement. Uh, so as you said, DNC lobbyists are the big techs. The Washington elites are indeed there. The Washington elite concept who influence US policy, both foreign and domestic, does exist. However, Bernie did not shift his goalpost ever since, has he ever shifted his goalpost? Uh, uh, right from being anti-Vietnam war in the late 60s to right now. He has been consistent on those positions and tried to mobilize crowd and electorate and US citizens around that. So he has very much been successful in doing so, which is precisely why uh, the young the young voters and the young citizens and also progressive voters supported him. Why it did not become the mainstream is, an, is a very, very interesting question. And a lot of people are doing research on that. Uh, a lot of US journalists and a lot of US pollsters, etc. Is that uh, uh, Biden, uh, Biden may seem, uh, you know, comparatively old. In fact, he's the oldest to be on the ticket, oldest to be on the ticket and uh, oldest to be the president. To win it. Uh, to win, yeah. So despite being that, he has decades of experience of public service and administration. Uh, his two his two terms as the as uh, uh, Obama's vice president, as well as his terms as senators. So uh, he is a very smart uh, politician and a strategist. His timing with regards to when he wanted to enter the race, but when he did enter the race, he was very sure of the kind of balance he want to maintain, wants to maintain and the kind of campaign promises he's going to do, which is going to uh, motivate the traditional democratic voters, but at the same time, uh, bring back those working class white voters who were frustrated with the democratic elite and shifted to, that frustration resulted into shifting to Trump. Mm, uh, right. Uh, so, so we understood that well. He ran on a comparatively central, uh, central, centralist uh, campaign, and not as left as what the progressive Democratic Party were promising. Uh, but then, uh, but then his he always knew. Uh, I have read some literature on it. Uh, uh, good, reliable literature, not not just stories. Uh, is that? Uh, before even coming in and putting his hat into the ring for the democratic candidature also, uh, he met all kinds of advisors and scientists and researchers and he knew that the US would need Roosevelt kind of reforms again. The FDR kind of socialist reforms and the government will have to do it. That, that the post-war, uh, the post-depression reforms that FDR took in late 30s 
similar or rather a bit more radical reforms is what he'll have to take if he wins the ticket and if he gets the presidency and he was ready for that and uh, if you look at his decisions in the last 4 months 5 months 4 5 months he has acted upon it in a good way uh, uh, he has been scientific he has been objective uh, he has been very clear but in terms of the display and in terms of the campaign he was central to what was there uh, which was necessary at that point uh, so that to to ensure you bring all of them together and uh, and what happened in 2016 is not uh, does not repeat which is why uh, which is why the candidates like bernie uh, had to take the back seat uh but then that does not mean bernie's core topics are out of picture he's uh, he is if i'm not wrong is the heading the budget uh, senate finance committee which is a very crucial role that he would play the green new deal is uh is happening is in discussions continuously because of the progressive lot of democrats uh the uh, because of his ferocious campaign outside and within the senate inside the senate uh the the package that was introduced we are still india is very hesitant to fiscally spend that amount us has spent that amount that fiscal stimulus that was needed has done which is then you go into the theoretical economic argument i am uh, by theory uh i believe in keynesian economics and uh despite the free market world we are in that now in the 21st century private investments are very important private market is very crucial you cannot shame them you cannot treat them the way they are you cannot disrespect them their investment as entrepreneurs are important but government's role will always play an important role which is definitely. why uh, yeah yeah definitely and which brings me to this part that you know we discussed about a lot of things right different areas which are touched upon and which which makes me even more curious that you know what road would manas be taking forward from here on right you have done so much already what is the you know potential trajectory for you going ahead and say as we near the end of our discussion what your message would be to all those hearing or listening or you know watching to this uh this discussion right what do you want to put out there and what's next for you okay with with all with all you firstly i think i am not sure if uh, i would am capable or uh, capable to give any kind of message as such i'll just try to uh, share my thoughts what i have through the through our podcast i'll similarly try to share my concluding thoughts what my core principles are uh, people can agree or disagree with that uh, to for your first question um it's that one is uh, i have remained consistent on the kind of education i want to attain uh, you you of all you are you are very much a school friend and you know uh, you, i mean i don't know we have known each other from a single digit age there are people i know uh, like all of us our school friends and college society and neighborhood friends who are who are 
who are still in touch and are equally proximate uh, since the single digit age that we were introduced to each other. Uh, since then, uh, since 2011, my interests, my choices, and my actions have been consistent. Uh, I, I, public service and social justice are the two core philosophies that I have uh, always uh, thought about, maintained. If there is something that does not let me sleep, if some things that uh, Know, gets me impatient, angry, frustrated, but at the same time, it drives me is the quest for public service and social justice. And my choices and my actions on what I do is, is, uh, is the resultant consequence of these philosophies. Uh, my education in politics and now policy along with economics and sociology has been for that. My volunteering activities has been for that. My extracurricular also has been for that. Uh, I think I want, in an immediate sense, my intellectual and academic appetite hasn't yet gotten over, uh, despite this now this being my second postgraduate degree. I very much uh, believe uh, I want to continue education of course, the natural uh, recourse, the, the, the natural direction is a doctoral degree or a further professional master's degrees um, in my own uh, areas and interests. Because, uh, because to have a locus standi, to have that capability of uh, talking what you're talking, to have that credentials, it is important that we attain that education ourselves, despite the difficulties. Uh, that is one. Uh, so I would continue that. Uh, second is while that uh, gets over, uh, while that is continuing, uh, I would very much continue volunteering and contributing in my own small ways as possible. Right now it is my own small ways while I build up my own academic and professional profile. And so that I could contribute in a significant manner in the forthcoming uh, uh, future. And other thing is uh, using my, I have believed that, you know, jack of all trades and master of none is indeed true. And specialist, you are eventually, you can only do so much. You can't claim to be an expert in everything. That is, that is, that is just, uh, naive and uh, very, uh, I don't know. But then in some ways or the other, through uh, my efforts or uh, the way life has gone about, I have gotten an opportunity to get a taste of everything. And my parents are responsible for promoting and supporting that. And in some ways, I have ensured that I have that inherent thing to talk to all kind of people, to participate in all kind of activities. Uh, sports also is equally important for me, just as core academic theoretical researches. I was go on talk. I would talk about political philosophy and theory as passionately with you as I would talk about classical music artists and my uh, fanboyism for uh, Ustad Zakir Hussain or Ashwini Bide Deshpande. So. 
I want to maintain that interdisciplinary interests. I want to, and by maintaining interdisciplinary interests, I mean I want to continue my relationship with those industries, so that tomorrow when I am capable of doing something significant, which I am confident that with hard work it can happen, uh, when I am able to do that, uh, that all of that can come together, uh, all of all kinds of experiences can come together and we can build a better society. In all of this, uh, family and uh, immediate family remains important. My my mommy, papa, and my papa and my Aji and my they, they are all very close to me and it, they have they are the one who you know support whatever little I have done. They have not asked me questions yesterday. So uh, I, I don't think I've been doing anything significant to be very honest, but whatever little I have is because of that. And uh, I am uh, to appreciate that is very important to appreciate these simple things, despite hard times and hard days that I have personally gone through uh, is important. So I appreciate uh, that. And lastly, is engaging with the system and mainstream politics is something I would want to continue. Uh, to break the wheel, uh, or having original ideas is important. All of us have original ideas, but um, uh, to continue that in the right approach and a strategic manner is I would want to do. And I hope I'm able to do that uh, continually and uh, contribute in much more significant ways uh, that would come. Message, as I said, I wh what do you want me to say? Uh, what it's, I, it's whatever whatever you are thinking right now. It, it need not be something you know preachy per se, but uh, I mean, okay. who knows? We we might see Manas at the you know uh, at some leadership position ten years down the line, probably prime minister candidate, or who knows what, right? And who knows where? So yeah. Oh, that's be anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would say that um, my core core thing would be which I uh, drive, it drives me, which is uh, the idealism that is there at this age should be there, very much there. Uh, when I see my, our age people uh, being very cynical about things, I, I sometimes wonder, uh, if, you're, if you're going to be cynical at this age, uh, then uh, there is an age, there is an age to be cynical, right? Okay. <laughs> if you, you know, very orthodox in a traditional way. If you think of it, you have a family, you have uh, good enough money to survive for yourself, and you do not feel like working anymore. You just want to sit and travel, but and then you know you are not at that at, at that age and that phase of life. It's okay to be cynical. So right now, that idealism should drive. Uh, all of us, and I am very committed to that idealism. I believe my subject training has given me enough pragmatism to do those maneuvers as to how you do breed propaganda. Because self idealism say kuch nahi hoga because you know the current machinery you are dealing with in India, like the BJP. Uh, if, if, if you want to uh, beat those kind of political expertise, or for that matter, any country or any fight, it's not just politics, it's also environmental fight, 
it's also education fight it's also health fight Correct. we have to be which is second is being futuristic the causes of environment the causes of education and health the causes of wage and causes of civic liberty the freedom of speech uh, you know in the internet age uh, we are all of globalization and internet age right so the fight for um, uh, privacy the the fight for rights and fight for digital privacy and uh, the right to say we all should be coming together to fight this is what i think and uh, that would be something i am personally motivated about and instead of uh, uh, what do you say second is that can be done anywhere and everywhere right. uh, it's not in no ways has to be that you have to be in the government or uh, be but then for me uh, i would uh, i very much believe that your academic Uh, research and your academic potential your credentials i can use it best uh, in public life and through the government uh, but then for that you need those credentials you build those credentials and in whatever way uh, we should ensure all of us to together ensure that we educate ourselves enough to have those credentials and then we can once we have that uh, confidence uh we will be able to change things we should be able to change things yes yeah listen man i think uh you you have put such a beautiful message across that and i really think people would appreciate uh, what you have you know what we have discussed so far in this conversation and i think you really underplayed your you know achievements there because you have done a lot you know um, generally people might not even if they get an opportunity they might not pounce on it but you have taken so many opportunities to help uh, you know different sections or work in so many different areas so really appreciate uh, your contribution for that and i did not even reach so many topics you know you were a part of the indian music group we could have had another discussion all together and i plan to have this you now we will have a session to sometime ne- uh, sometime you know uh, in the future but yeah and uh, really thank you for coming on here and then sharing your views sharing your thoughts with us and yes hope to see you soon I'm, man <laughs> yeah i'm 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 glad thanks for giving me opportunity and once again just like i said in the beginning of the podcast uh congratulations and best wishes to uh you uh and your team uh and the entire team uh this is a great beginning and i think i'm sure there is a much bigger direction to all of this and uh, this this youth alliance that we will be building will 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 be you know in all kinds of things you know this your activity will be even much bigger than you have planned or you imagine so be sure of that and yeah. uh, thank you for uh, calling me and even thinking that i have an interaction with you definitely definitely man and we'll we'll meet soon so yeah thank you yes we'll meet soon we'll meet soon thanks a lot thanks for the